Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Psalms 34 and 22 reads as follows. The Lord redeems, notice what he redeems, the soul of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. The Lord redeems, notice this, the soul of his servants, those who worship him. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Based on that, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic, the redeemer of my soul. The redeemer of my soul. If you've ever been in a situation and the atmosphere was intense, hostile, you became frustrated or aggravated, you need a redeemer of the soul. The soul consists of our mind, our will, our emotions, as well as our appetites. It's our soul that influences our thinking, our talking, as well as our actions. See, man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. We live in a body. We have a spirit that will live forever, forever, either with Jesus or without him. It's a choice we make here while on the earth. We have a soul that impacts our thinking, our talking, and our actions. And the Lord wants all of us. He wants our spirit. He wants our soul. He wants our body to be consecrated or dedicated to him. He wants our mind to be sanctified, our spirit to be sanctified, as well as our body to be sanctified. That means when we do acts contrary to scripture, our soul needs a redeemer. Paul kind of broke, broke it down for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, now may the God of peace, the God of prosperity, the God of security, the God of safety, the God of quietness, sanctify. In other words, consecrate you completely. Complete means I'm going to Get every aspect of your life. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body, that's complete, that's all of you, be preserved, taken care of, guarded, attended to carefully, and blameless, faultless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes, because of God keeping us, we shall be found blameless or faultless. God sent, sent us his written and revealed word to minister to us as relates to our spirit, our soul, as well as our body. And we can't afford to limit God's word to just to instruct and guide us on spiritual matters. But the Lord wants his word to teach us on natural matters such as relationships, money, health, wellness, wealth investments, marriage, single life, leadership, and so forth. Even on your job or your business, he wants to teach you. It's up to us to come and hear as well as receive God's written and revealed word to gain knowledge and understanding and apply it in every situation of our lives. In other words, we get the word and we apply it in every situation in our life. See, the word is so powerful that it knows what we're thinking as well as pondering and can give us an edge on what others are thinking before they act. One thing I thought about that is this. God will prepare you before they say something so you don't react in an ungodly manner. Did y'all get that? In other words, he, he prepares your spirit, man, so when they do act the way they act, you say, oh, okay, I'm not going to respond the way I would respond if I was in the flesh or acting carnally. See, the word gives us the skill set to judge matters within us as well as around us. 
In fact, we find this in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a zern of the faults and the intents of the heart. Let's look at the scripture a little bit closer. For the word of God is living, it's, it's alive, it's fresh, it's strong, and it's powerful, it's active, and it's effective, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner, is skilled in judging the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Your heart, your neighbor's heart, family member's heart, the word of God is a discerner. That's why the Lord sent his word to redeem us each and every day of our lives, whether it's at work, home, church, or so forth. We have to become skilled at applying his word when we come in contact with various situations and circumstances. For example, you may experience a matter at work where a colleague repeatedly makes comments about your work and your productivity. Clearly, this person is seeking ways to make you seem ineffective and cause you others to believe you're not worthy of the job and certainly should not advance or be promoted on the job. You feel the attack in your mind. Your emotions and your desire is to strike back. I know you know the scripture of vengeance mind stay up the Lord, but you say, Lord, wait a minute, let me get them first. You, you need a redeemer to watch, uh, you need a redeemer to help you. You have to remember this as well. As God is helping you, he helps you to watch the people around you on your job, those who deem as friends, who you may consider a foe, just watch. Watch and pray for both. At times we may become too comfortable in trusting in our work environment, not realizing that as God blesses us with favor, insight, and increase, everyone's not going to like us or cheer for us. And let me say this to you. I want to hear this clearly. Most people have no idea of everything that you do and what you experience. Most people have no idea of the work that you do on a job or a business and so forth. That's why you got to make your own case. Write down everything you do. Put it down on paper. Uh, somebody give you a job, put down this, that, and the other. Because you think somebody else knows what you're doing? Huh. Won't nobody know like you know. If you're doing 15 things, write down all 15 things. Don't take, well, they know what I'm doing. Really? Do you know what everybody else does? So how do you think they're going to know what you do? Most people got enough just keeping up with their own stuff as opposed to trying to help everybody else. So make sure you make your own case and then allow the Lord to help you along the way. Everybody understand that? We can't get mad with folks. They should know what I'm doing. Really? They gave me the assignment. They should know all the other stuff I'm doing. Really? I remember going to school and uh, one teacher... Before that, I guess, I don't know what they do now, but back then, one teacher would give you enough homework to send out last all night. And then you would think the other teacher would know that you got all this homework, but, <laughs> hallelujah. Announcement could be true with a husband and a wife. As a husband, you're trying to do better and act better, but your wife seems to recognize more of the small things you are not doing rather than the big things you are doing. You're working, paying bills, trying to spend more quality time with her, not hanging out with friends like you used to. The moment that things get a little bit tense or a slight disagreement occurs, she begins to talk about what the trash is not being taken out. You don't pick up those dirty clothes from last week. The dishes were not cleaned two weeks ago. You went, uh, and when you went to bed. And let me say this to you. You feel that attack in your, on your mind. Your emotions and your desire is to strike back. One thing I learned, I heard this somebody else said. I didn't say it. I heard it and I thought it was so true. Most men are consumed with protection, not what's for dinner. Let me drive that one more time. Most men are consumed with protection, not what is for dinner. Most men could care less what's for dinner. If they did, already they, wait, I can say that. 
Well, a man get too mad, he to go get him drive through and keep on moving. <laughs> Again, we have to grasp in our thinking, talking, actions to have a redeemer for my soul, and his name is Jesus. Remember, your your emotion get the best of you, and your emotion will try to run the show. Your emotions will try to run the show when your Holy Spirit should be the one running the show by your spirit, man. Let's go to Leviticus 25 and 25. We need a redeemer. Especially when, and you can use any example. Whether you're, any example I just given you, you need a redeemer. Someone's going to rescue my mind, my will, and my emotions. Leviticus 25 and 25. Leviticus 25 and verse 25. Let me get there first. Or let me get there. Some of you are probably already there. Leviticus 25 and 25 reads us, informs us that a kinsman redeemer, what a kinsman redeemer does. So Leviticus 25 and 25 reads as follows. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession and his redeemer relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. See, Jesus came on this earth in the likeness of man. He is our kinsman redeemer. He is our kinsman redeemer. Basically, when he came and you received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, he becomes your brother in Christ. He's your kinsman redeemer. And he comes to redeem your soul, redeems your spirit, man. He comes to redeem you. And this kinsman redeemer is without Jesus, without sin, and took on the sins of man, shed his blood to buy us back from the clutches of sin. Because one of the definitions of redeemer is someone who buys something back. And we were in the clutches of sin, and God brought us back. What did he pay? He paid the price with his blood. His blood is what he paid the, his price with. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he who made him knew no sin to be sin for us, that we, we might become the right, righteousness of God in him. For he who made him who knew no sin. So God didn't know sin. He didn't miss the mark like we did. He didn't wander from the law of God. He didn't violate God's law. But he became sin for us. He didn't do it, but he became what we did. Are y'all seeing that? In other words, he became sin for us. We missed it. He became what we didn't do. So in turn, he could redeem us. And now we're becoming the righteous of God or acceptable by God because of what he did. Job is another example of a person suffering many afflictions, but understood what the redeemer of his soul is. Let's go to Job 19, 25 and 27 through 27. Job chapter 19. Verses 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. So again, for I know that my Redeemer, my Deliverer, or my Avenger, lives. He lives. He's alive. He's fresh. He's flowing. He's my sustainer. Now let me say this to you. When I say my redeemer lives, I want you to understand something. When Job said this, he was still going through. He was still dealing with some situations and some circumstances. Job was not in the situation where he had been delivered. And so we must follow Job's pattern for this is that when we are in a situation where we haven't been totally delivered yet, we still got to know that he is able to deliver us. He's able to bring us out. He's able to heal, able to do what he said he's going to do. When we're really going through difficult and hostile times, we're feeling frustrated, upset, and so forth. You know, things you go through in your emotions. I may not have called your emotions out, whatever your ills, but um, 
everybody probably deals with some type of emotional things. Now, let me say this to you. Emotions are good. I thank God for emotions. I appreciate emotions. But emotions shouldn't run your life. Shouldn't make decisions for you. It shouldn't be telling you what to do and what not to do. Emotions are real. But emotions, if we're not careful, can get the best of us. But thank God we have a redeemer. And you notice what he said here? Of my soul. My mind, my will, my emotions, as well as my appetites. While we may not want to blame the devil and demons, some things that we may say and do is a sign that our soul needs a redeemer. Our soul is what makes us different and unique from others. It's where we get our personality, our likes, as well as our dislikes, certain little things that we do that make us different from others. Isn't it good to know that people are different from you? Y'all should say amen right there. Isn't it good to know that people are different from you? It would be sad if there was another you all around and acting like you, talking like you, thinking like you, and so forth. Okay, let's face it. We know we got some children to act like us. We'll be real. And we were trying to deny it, but y'all know. People look at you. You know, that child right there act just like you. No, they don't. Please. You're the only one that don't believe it. <laughs> Everybody else that know you, but we appreciate the fact that we are different. I love different. I love I, I, Now, I like action movies, but I don't like for them to be the same. Are y'all following me here? Now, I can go to uh, another type of movie, but my favorite is action. Now, some other people, they like love stories. Some people like suspense and mysteries and so forth. But they're different. That's what makes this world go around, in my opinion. Thank God for different stuff. I like food. But I don't eat the same face seven days a week. Just me personally. The soul can determine our happiness, our relationships, our spending habits, our career choices. Even try to, if we ain't careful, our soul will even try to be in charge of our spiritual as well as our natural life. It influences how we treat people, interact with people, and even build relationships with people. Our soul will have us making assumptions about people sometimes based on a preconceived idea or conversation we have heard or said about them. You know, some people can talk about some people, people you never met before, and you'll think that person like that, even though you never met them before. Never met them before. And you think that person's like that based on another conversation. I mean, that's, I know it's, it happens, it happens to all of us probably at one point or another in our life, but we have, if you're not careful, you will have a preconceived notion about somebody who you never met before. I'm always curious how people can know how certain people are and they never met them before. Never met them before. You can say the same thing about me. Well, Pastor, I know you. I heard you on YouTube. Well, let me tell you something. On YouTube and me sitting at home might be a little bit different. You have to know, get to know people. Now, we can run people away from the church or auxiliaries because our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions are in a mess, and we blame it on others instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to show love. You know, sometimes people can, can, thank you, Lord. Sometimes people can have ideas about people in their auxiliary and they really don't even know what the heart of that individual is. I know you. Do you really know me? Do you really understand what I'm dealing with or what I'm going through or what I'm trying or what I'm trying to do or whatever the case may be? Whatever it is, get to know people, get to know people. I love what, G, you know, what God said about David. David is a man after my own heart. You know, one, when people did not understand David, God understood David. And you got to know the same thing about yourself. Sometimes people ain't going to, let me say this to you. It's not a matter of. If you will be misunderstood in life, it's a matter of when you will be misunderstood in life. 
And so now you got to know that God knows you, your heart, better than man knows your heart. Hallelujah. Ooh, shut up. <laughs> Glory be to God. Oh, I like this. Sometimes because of our emotions and what we're at mentally, we may think it's a demon in them, that person that we're trying to get to know, and how we're seeing them through our solar realm and not through the eyes of God. We have to allow the written and revealed word of God to renovate our thinking, emotions, feelings, and desires. And I like this definition I put here. We need to grow up and mature. We need to grow up and mature, especially in our emotional realm. When God redeems our soul, we need to grow up. We don't need to allow our emotions to be getting the best of us, especially when it comes to dealing with people. Now, that can be a challenge for some of us. Because we can be going back to what we used to do and how we used to do, and we can be saved. But we have to grow up in how we treat people around us. Grow up. Paul told the church, let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let's look at the word, what the word says about this. Romans 12 and verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. He needs your mind renovated. He needs to change for the better. But what is he changing? Our minds, our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires. For what reason? That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, renovating our minds is a great purpose in helping us to grow and mature in God. It is to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, when we allow God's word to change us, we're proving, we're examining the word, we're deeming the word, what God is saying worthy to what is that good, what's honorable, what's useful, what's agreeable and acceptable, well-pleasing and perfect, mature, nothing needed to complete it, nothing needed to add. Will, what is God's will? What's God's desire? What's God's purpose? What is God's command for this particular situation? See, in my estimation, as we think about what David is talking about here in Psalms 34, David understood that servants of the Lord would need for their souls to be redeemed in order to grow, in order to mature, in order to get better at accomplishing the will of God. Because our question is, and I was thinking about this as I was meditating upon it, why redeem a soul? Why redeem a soul? If God says, I'm, I'm, I'm redeeming your soul, why am I redeeming your soul? I mean, if I gotta, if I wanna look at this and I say, if God's gonna redeem my soul, why is he redeeming my soul? Because I don't want God, listen, no, no, let me back this up. We gotta ask the question, why is God doing what he's doing? So in turn, we can fall in line with his purpose and his will for our lives. I don't think God's gonna redeem your soul for you to do what you wanna do. I don't think God will redeem your soul, so once he redeem it, oh, your soul redeemed. Now, let me go do. Let me go. Let me go do what I want to do instead of finding out what the will of God is for the time that I'm living in. So why, why, think about this as we go through the rest of this. Why is God redeeming our soul? Now, let's go back over to Psalms 34. Psalms 34. And we're going to start up at verse 1. David pins in a manner and lets us know that the Lord can make us happy if we trust in him. Notice what Psalms 34 and verse 1, how it reads. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So notice this. I will bless the Lord. I will adore. I will salute. I will praise who? The Lord. When? At all times. So if at night, what am I going to do? I'm going to bless the Lord. In the morning, I'm going to what? Bless the Lord. When they cut me off, I'm going to what? Bless the Lord. When they cuss me out, I'm going to bless the Lord. When they, are y'all getting it now? 
When, 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 when things are going good, I'm going to bless the Lord. When things are going not so good, I'm going to what? Bless the Lord. When I'm challenging my body, I'm going to what? Bless the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. At all times. At all times. Why? Because his praise shall continually be in my hands. In my feet. In my what? Mouth. My mouth. My mouth. It's going to be in my mouth. Then goes for, Let's go to verse 2. I can stay them left for a moment, but I got stuff I need to get to you. This my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. So my soul, my mind, my emotions, my appetites, my desire shall make its boast. In, uh, uh, boast is another word. Excuse me. Definition is defined as shine and glory in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Notice how when we allow the demon to train our soul to boast in him, we're going to boast about the Lord. One thing I learned, it's not natural for a sinful nature to boast about God. It's not natural for sinful nature to boast about God. But if you are redeemed, you don't mind boasting about God. It, you could be at the store, but you're boasting about God. You could be at your family eating dinner, but you're boasting about God. You could be wherever, but you're boasting about God. It goes on to verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify means make great, to promote, to value God. The Lord with me and let us exalt, let us lift up his name together. See, we have to learn how to promote God more than ourselves and other people. I think that many of us have been guilty of promoting ourselves and others that we care about more than magnify and promote the Lord and exalt in his name. Oh, I like this. At times we can promote and magnify others so much our spouse, our friends, our colleagues, our supervisors, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, our pastor, uh, and such to the point that we can make them a little God and that we obey them more than we do Jesus. And then this is what, what we justify in our mind. This is, this is the mind that needs renewing is we justify, well, I'm obeying what they say. And so it's just like obeying what God says. We have to make sure we obey God. And we put no man before God. I wish somebody would try to put me. I'm about ready to fight you. Because I don't want to get in that, don't you think, you, with God, you expect some things from him. You expect him to answer every question. You don't expect me to answer every question. Even if I knew the answer, I wouldn't answer. Why? What did God say? See, sometimes you, you can let people exalt you and put you in places, but sometimes you got to say, hey, what did God say? What the, one thing I had to learn, my bishop did, did he used to do this to me all the time. Bishop, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? He said, what did God say? Well, Bishop, I, 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 I thought you might try to, you know, give me something. <laughs> now, he wanted me to make sure that I'm building a relationship with God. And what did God say? I know my wife loves me, but she can't answer me. I can't answer every question for her. What did God say? I know y'all love me. Y'all might come ask my advice, but what did God say? And sometimes if you ask what God say, you won't need to see me. Because God don't have a problem giving you an answer. You know that, right? And sometimes we don't like the answer he gives, so we try to find somebody that will agree with us. You don't worry with me, that must not be God then. You don't worry with me, that must not be God yet. You don't worry with me, that must not be God yet. Oh, you agree with me? Oh, that God right there. Well, two or three are gathered together in my name. <laughs> there I be. No, no, no. You heard him. You just didn't want to. You, you, you didn't like the answer. And can I be real? I don't like every answer God gives me. 
Can we be real? Can we, let's talk for a moment. Let's for a moment. I, I was thinking for a moment ago, this is just a crazy thought come in my head. You know, in my mind, I think, okay, am I ready? Am I ready to come and minister to these precious saints in here? Am I ready? And then I thought in my mind, man, you know you ain't ready, but he's ready. That's all that's important. He's ready to minister to you all. Because I think I'm ready. I can mess it up real bad. But when God knows he's ready to minister to you, oh, your life going to change for the better. It's going to change for the better. Now, Psalms 34 and 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who you sought the Lord, you searched for him, you inquired of him, you consulted the Lord, and he heard, he answered and responded to me and delivered me. He defended me, he preserved me, he recovered, and he caused me to escape from all my fears. Interesting word there, fears. Fears. Fears you find in soulish realm. Soulish realm. Notice how God is working on our soulish realm. Notice how he's working on our soulish realm. And let me say this to you. When I look out in the sanctuary this morning, I see, in my estimation, 99% of y'all that need working on y'all soulish realm. Who's that 1%, Dobbs? I don't know. <laughs> we still have to know who redeems us from the enemy attacks, which is God himself. Now, let's go down to Psalms 34 and 19. Psalms 34 and 19. Notice what he says in Psalms 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them what? All. Did he leave any out? Every last one of them, he's going to what? Deliver us. Is that right? So I like this. Many are the afflictions. Now, thank God that God knows that some of us have been afflicted. We've dealt with some bad stuff. We dealt with some evil stuff. We dealt with some unpleasant things. And we dealt with some thought things that brought misery in our lives. David does not deny that. We've dealt with some afflictions. And, how, and let me say this to you. Of the righteous. Righteous people, people who are justified, those who are vindicated by God, those who are right standing with God, those who are in correct position with God, deal with afflictions. They deal with unpleasant things. They deal with misery. You are not exempt from dealing with misery. And we need to act like people deal with misery. Instead of always pretending like, oh, you're dealing with misery, something must be wrong with you. No. Righteous people deal with misery. I wish it wasn't true. I wish I could just wave my hand on you and say, Lord, I pray for them that they don't deal with it. You remember when, you know, I'm going to give this example. I pray you, don't get mad when I give you this example, though. You remember when Peter was getting ready to go through something? And uh, I, I thought the Lord would say, Peter, I'm going to protect you from what you got to deal with. You ain't going through nothing, Peter. You know, Jesus told Peter, I pray your faith fail not. That ain't what I want to hear. <laughs> I want that. I want to hear, I want to hear God. I want you to protect me from this sickness and disease. I want you to protect me from financial troubles. I want you to protect me from emotional upheaval. I want you to protect me and I ain't got to deal with nothing. Just sit in the ease and be. Hallelujah. But I gotta, I, some, of some of us got to go to work, no. Some of us got to go back home, no. Some of us got to go and deal with family issues that you don't want to deal with, but you got to deal with them. Is that right? You know, well, that's what that scripture's for. But you know, I got a promise for you from God. He says, but the Lord delivers or rescues you or saves you or takes you away or recovers him out of them all. He just doesn't tell you when he's going to do it. <laughs> but he's going to do it. I love the fact he's going to do it. Just like they, we can find ourselves self-dealing with unpleasant, evil, and bad situations that can bring misery. We can deal with a child who we know can be loving, but due to, due to peer pressure, not being in the word, or they should, or just plainly immaturity, the attitude, smart mouth, and ungrateful behavior can bring misery to the parents, the siblings, the entire household. 
You know, a bad child can, can, can cause trouble in the household. A bad child can cause trouble in the household. I'm just being real with you. They can. They can. Um, I'll leave that there. We might have a loved one who is dealing with a mindset that is plagued with fear, insecurity, jealousy, and such like that brings unpleasant, twisted thinking and actions to the family dynamics. You might find yourself avoiding interactions with your own family members because of how their presence affects your mind or afflicts your mind. Can, can I be real? Don't say this to nobody. But I, there's probably two people in this sanctuary that have avoided dealing with family members because they cause you affliction. They cause you headaches. You see the phone, they see them calling. Oh, God. And you let it ring. Now, now, I know, don't say nothing, uh, husbands, wives, nothing like that. Sometimes you might be upset with your loved one, and they call you, and you let it go to voicemail. Because what? You're not ready to talk to them yet. I talk to them later. They text you. You see the text. Bing! But you look at it and you leave it right there on the phone. You respond to 15 other texts after them, answer other phone calls after them, but don't deal with that. Let me say this. You may not know the exact timing of God's deliverance, but we do know it will take place. He will deliver us out of them all. But I believe that even before the Lord fully delivers us, there is still a certain amount of protection based on Psalms 34 and 20. Now, Psalms 34 and 20 almost caught me by surprise, but it's a powerful scripture if we take hold of it. I want you to notice Psalms 34 and 20. He guards all his bones. That's almost an interesting statement, ain't it? He guards all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. It's a powerful statement, ain't it? Let me give you a little bit about that. Because I almost skipped over this. I was going to read it and then keep going. But the Lord brought me back to it. I want to show something that he showed me. I want to, I believe that would help all of us in the sanctuary. How many of us know, first of all, that people would try to bring harm to those who live righteously for God? Isn't it good to know that God will guard your bones? Now, what does that mean? Well, let's, let's slide in this. Let me give you this, first of all. There is no safety net in the world's way of doing things. But God provides, listen to this work statement here, strategic divine protection. Strategic divine protection. Now, strategic divine protection is that God will only allow so much to happen to you before he stops it. Are y'all seeing that? God will not allow them to do what they want to do, but God will not, won't stop them from doing a few things to you. I think about this when Jesus went to Calvary. When Jesus went to Calvary, they beat him with a cat and nine tail. They whipped him. They did all types of uncruel things to him, but they could not break his bones. Let me show you to your scripture. Go with me to Psalms, excuse me, John 19 and 36. I'm coming right back to that place, but I want to show you this. John 19 and 36. John 19 and 36. For these things were done that the scriptures shall be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. 
whatever they did to Jesus, they could not break his bones. And it was prophesied back here in Psalms 34. David prophesied it even before Jesus got to the cross. What does that mean? That the bones represent the structure of a man. It represents your foundation pieces. It represents what you believe in in your salvation walk with God. In other words, when you believe that Jesus died for your sins back at the cross at Calvary, he was buried and he rose again the third day. And you believe that right now, nothing can mess with that structure. Because why? It's the divinely protected. God protects the core of your life by divine protection. You may go through all types of upheaval, but as long as you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is protected. And it's a strategy that God uses. Notice, he said this about... uh, when David wrote this, back when he was living, it was hundreds of years later when Jesus was on the cross. And they, listen, they did everything to him, but they could not break his bones. They couldn't break his structure. They couldn't break what he believed in. They couldn't, but listen, he knew he was getting up. And that was protected. And listen, this is what you got to know. Whatever you go through in life, it is divinely, strategically Protected. Your giving causes you to be divinely, strategically protected. You may go through financial upheaval. You may go up and down in your finances, but you believe in giving, it is protected. You may go through all types of things where uh, your body is being challenged, but you believe that God is a healer, that is protected. If you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and no matter what you go through in life, you that is protected. And that's good because it is divinely, strategically protected. God, listen, he protects you, your core. He protects what you believe in. He protects the anointing that is on your life. He protects it. And you got to think about your life, which you live right now. God is protecting your core beliefs. No matter what you go through in your mind, your, excuse me, your emotions, your thinking, your talking, and your appetites, God protects what you believe in. Isn't it good to know when you study scripture, God is protecting you. But when you go to work, God's protecting me. Yeah, you may deal with some stuff, and it may hurt deep, but it won't. But God won't allow it to deal with your structure. And that's why we're standing here today, because of structure. Our structure keeps this ministry going. It ain't because of people. Listen, people come, people go, but God protects the structure. Listen, people come in and out of your life, but God protects your structure. You may deal with all types of things in life emotionally, but God protects your struggle. You get older, your body, but God protects your core. Isn't it good to know he protects our bones? I'm telling you, whatever you deal with in life, God protects it. And it's divine. Listen, it's strategically what he does. Because think about it. They beat Jesus with a cat and nine tails. They put, they, listen, even when they nailed him, in his hands, in his feet, they still did not break his bones. Good God Almighty. Do you see how divine, strategically protected Jesus was? And he's doing the same thing for us today. When you go down the road, whatever you deal with in life, he protects you. There's so much that you deal with that you probably don't even know about, but he protects us. How many thank God for divine strategic protection? Everybody understand what I'm saying now? I want you to get it because that to me was so powerful. I said, God, you're protecting me. You're protecting my family, God. I believe in the family. So he protected that. I believe in healing in the body. He's protecting that. I believe in giving. He is protecting that. God is protecting us divinely. Thank you, God, for protecting us divinely. Now, Psalms 34, 21. Psalms 34, 21. Evil shall slay the wicked. Notice this. 
bad and wicked and unkind, happy, unhappy folks are going to sway one another. <laughs> Woo! They're going to kill and execute the wicked, those guilty of sin, those go against God, hostile to God. So evil folks going to do evil, bad stuff to evil folks. The world going to do bad stuff. We shouldn't be surprised that the world do bad stuff to bad other, other bad folks. We shouldn't be because the Bible shows us here in Scripture. That's going to happen. The other part we want to deal with is this. And those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. Now, I know you're nice, but there's going to be some folks, not everybody, that's going to hate or have a feel a intense dislike. They're going to loathe you because you're doing right. But don't, don't mess with them because the Bible says God's going to condemn them or cause them to suffer punishment. And I know you want to get them. I know you want to do them bad. I know you want to do them harm. But allow the Lord to do that, okay? He can give them a whole lot better than you can. And we allow your mind, will, and emotion to detest. The problem is when we allow our mind, our will, and emotions to detest or become hostile and start to intensify dislike God's people, we got a problem. When you dislike your sisters and brothers in Christ, your pastor, your first lady, the leadership, the Bible is clear that condemnation is coming. See, it's important for us to get to know one another, be a relationship with each other, and begin, begin to appreciate one another. Look at the good in your sister or your brother. I want you to do me a quick favor. Look around real in the sanctuary and think about something good. You ain't got to call that out. Think about something good that person does. Think about something good that person does or is. Now, build on that. Build on that. I know they, they're not perfect. They got flaws. Yeah, I know they do. I know they don't look as good as you think they should. I know you don't think they wear them. Their clothes don't match. It don't matter. Think about the good stuff they do, okay? This person is a helper. This person is a wonderful dance person. This person it will do anything for anybody. This person would do this, that, and the other. Build on that instead of building on the negative. Because you know how we are. We'll build on the negative. We can build a good case, too. I mean, and, and this is what the thing about it. We can build it so good, it will be true. It got signs of wonders falling. Yeah, it's easy to build on negative. Quit being like the world and start building on what God wants in a person's life. Boy, that messed some of us up, didn't it? Because mm-hmm. we're so busy building it up, looking at negative on folks. And, and you got to watch this too. You got to watch the news and social media outlets that continually build on people's negatives just for ratings. Just to get likes and this and likes and so forth. We can't follow that pattern. That's not God's pattern. That's not God. So when you look around this sanctuary right now, I want you to look at, think about the good. Look one more time, one more time. Think about the good in that person right there. Find you about five people. Just look at, oh, that person good right there. That person good in this. That person good in that. Oh, that person good. That person good. That per-. And start to build on that. Don't build on that other stuff. Well, I don't like the way they walk. I don't like their attitude. You know, I mean, we all see that. Let's build on good stuff. All right? Boy, that messed some of us up, didn't it? I know it. Man, you got to start liking them, don't you? Hold on, y'all. We're about done. Give me a few more minutes. Give me a few more minutes. Uh, if those who are evil will slay others that are wicked, then who will protect the righteous? Who will protect the righteous if they're slaying the wicked? The wicked are slaying the uh, evil ones. As we learn to trust the Lord wholeheartedly, we trust in his divine protection. We will not always know who the enemy is around us. Thank y'all for the four-way mans right there. I know you work with them, but you, they might be your enemy. So you get promoted above them and you just supervise them. And let me tell you what I've learned over the years in my time when I worked in corporate America. Uh, sometimes people you work with are caught the reason you can't get promoted. 
Mm. Mm. Because you share too much information. You talk about so-and-so, and then they go tell it, even though they tell you when they're going to tell it. Because they're busy about it. I'm going to tell you, folks, here. I told you one year, I don't know if I told you a story or not, but if I, remind me to tell you a story at the time I worked with 21 women at one time. 21. I was the only male. And 21 women. Well, they taught me so much Bible, I can't even hold it. My mind exploded. <laughs> if you ever have the opportunity to work with 21 women at one time, take it for about a week and then quit because you're going to be, <laughs> your mind going to explode with all that information they're going to give you. Let's go to our last scripture. I'll give you a few strategies and we're going to close it out. Psalms 34, 22. The Lord redeems the soul of the of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Notice what he says. The Lord redeems. He rescues. He delivers. He has paid the price. We talked about that earlier. But notice what he does in this particular case that David wrote that I think we need to grab a hold of. He redeems the soul of the righteous. The soul of his servants. Now he said servants in this particular case. Servants are worshipers of God. When we worship God, we have a God who will redeem or rescue our soul. Now let me say this to you. You live a life, and I live a life, where our soul is in constant need of redeeming. I'll be honest with you, some days I'm good with it, some days I'm challenged with it. The days I'm challenged with it, I thank God we got a redeemer of the soul. When my soul tries to take over and tell me what I do, what to do and what not to do, I appreciate the redeemer of my soul stepping in. As long as you let him, he'll help you redeem your soul. He won't force himself on you, but he will help you to redeem your soul. Again, I'm just, I'm just curious, would anybody be honest enough to say, some days your soul need redeeming? Now, some people, I, just, I saw two people didn't raise their hand. Let me, let's pray for them, y'all. In Jesus' name. Cast out that lion spirit. <laughs> this is some days, y'all. My soul need redeeming, and I appreciate the fact God got scriptures and examples to help us. He a present help in the time of need. I need God to redeem my soul. I didn't need it. I can't even tell like it, I, it wasn't me. I can't blame the devil. I can't blame my kinfolks. I can't blame my loved one. That's me. That's me acting like this, sitting around pouting and doing all kinds of stuff. That's me. That's me sitting in that chair, turning the remote control. My... Can't speak to nobody here. Just, just got the TV all gone. I mean, you know, hey, that's me. That's me. That's me, y'all. Eat with an attitude. That's me on that job. With, look at that folks with my nose all turned up like I'm better than them. That's me. That ain't nobody else. That ain't the devil. That's me. My soul need redeeming. All oh, these folks talking about, wait, well, not yet. It's him. But God has a remedy. Those what he said in Psalm 34, 19. I'm going to deliver you out of them all. Every last one of them, including you. <laughs> you. You know you're going to need some help, don't you? All right, now I'm going to uh, go to these, these last three examples. I'm going to get out of your way because I think we, 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 we're getting this. We're getting this. We're getting this, right? We're getting this, right? Let's look at these last three examples. One, I, areas that, now there's a whole bunch I can give you, but I'm going to give you three. Our inability to leave the past mistakes and disappointments behind us and press forward in Jesus. Can, can I make an announcement to you? We know you messed up. Okay, y'all don't believe me, don't you? I, this land somebody and they say, I know you messed up. Look at, 
know you messed up. Mm-hmm. We all messed up. We all messed up. We got to leave that behind us, though. We repent and start moving forward. Philippians 3 and 14. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm pressing forward now. Because why? I'm leaving the mistakes behind. My disappointments behind. My failures behind. I'm leaving it behind. Yeah, I messed up. Leave it behind. Paul was killing Christians. But he left that behind. Paul said, I count it but dawn that I may get to know him in the excellence of his God. Now, if, if Paul was like that, why can't we leave it behind? Two, our inability to recognize and protect ourselves from the tools, traps, and weapons that are constantly being formed against our mind, will, and emotions. Thank God for Isaiah 54 and 17. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue rising against you in judgment, you should condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. <clears throat> we need the ability to recognize and protect ourselves from the tools, traps, and weapons that are constantly being formed against our mind, will, and emotion. Let, let me say this to you. I've been saved for a long time now, and I still fall into this trap sometimes. Right? But I've learned to repent and say, God, I shouldn't have did that. Because it can hit, hit you. Like, I'm talking about booby trap, y'all. I mean, you step on a landmine. Boom! And they go off. There it is. I'm cussing somebody out. Landmine. Wasn't expecting it. Didn't see it. Boom! Now I got to repent. I got to say I'm sorry to that person for cussing them out. I, I got, that's what Christians do, y'all. Well, they deserve it. No, they ain't. No. You, you, you're born again. You have a high standard. You serve a Lord that's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Best thing to do, just don't do it in the first place. Then that way you ain't got to go through all them changes. Yeah, but that's one thing I had to learn, man. I told some folks over my day, but I had to go back and repent to them. Whew, you'll think twice about doing it again. <laughs> Woo! Now, now we have, may have to get stern sometimes. Of course, the Bible says that too. So, but we will make sure we're being led by the Holy Spirit to do what we do. Not out of our flesh, not out of our emotions, not out of our appetites and so forth. Third one, our inability to see and discern and the temptation that rests in our personal desires, temptation and emotions that can lure us from God and his word. James 1 and 14, but let each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That's a powerful scripture. But let each, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away. He is Lured away or seduced away by his own desires, his own lusts, his own cravings, his own, those the definition, longing for what is forbidden. And entice or deceive. And it will deceive you. It will deceive. That's why you need to see and discern the temptation that rests in our personal desires. Appetites and emotion that can lure us from God and his word. And as we do this, the Lord will continue to redeem our soul. And while we're here redeeming, I asked that question earlier, so we can accomplish the will of God more effectively. Because when your emotions are running the show, prayer life ain't going to be the same. But when your soul is being redeemed by God, your prayer life is more effective. Being led by the Holy Spirit is more effective. Your witnessing is more effective. Your giving is more effective. Your serving is more effective. Your loving one another is more effective. Study of scripture. You, you, you can focus and follow. Focus and follow. I'm focusing on his word. I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm focusing on his word. I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm focusing on his word. I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And our worship is more effective. Our worship is more effective as we allow the omniscient God to continue to lead and guide us into all truth. How many thank God for the Redeemer of our soul? Stand to your feet. Let's give Jesus a hand of praise for his word. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. 
You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.